Father, we come and we, we thank you, Lord, that your word is true and that your word will never fail. That even as we encounter all variety of challenges in this life, as we are challenged by all sorts of things in this life, uh, we thank you, Lord, that indeed your word will never fail. We thank you that we do not simply believe in, in myths, but we believe in the truth that Jesus is Lord and he is Savior and he has risen and there is victory in Christ. And so we, we rejoice in him this morning and uh, even as we uh, know that this is the first day of Advent, uh, we long for Christmas and then we long for uh, beyond Christmas as well uh, to his the time when he will return, when our Lord will come again. And so we thank you that this time of waiting and anticipation as we look forward to Christmas and rejoice in the birth of our Savior, that it also is echoed in our waiting now as we look forward to his coming, which will surely come. And so, Father, as we come this morning and we, we pray that you would help us to come, recognizing that we are coming as your servants under your word. And we look to you and we look to your hand to lead us. And we lift our eyes up to you, that you may be the one we follow. And so help us, we pray, and give me grace as well as I seek to be faithful in proclaiming your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we have set before us nine verses. Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. So only nine, but what a nine they are. Nine verses that one by one flow against the strong currents of our present cultural milieu. Yet, we aren't to come to these verses with the same spirit as our culture. Not with a fist saying, we will not do it. This is not something we agree with. But we come to these verses, and I pray that you come to these verses with a servant's towel. While... The world stares, even rages on against the word of God. We as followers of Christ, we come and we bow our knees before our Lord as we come to these verses here. And we agree and we say, yes, Lord, gender is good. Yes, Lord, marriage is good. Yes, Lord, the family is good. Yes, Lord, work is good. So we don't come in the midst of the culture wars, the sexual revolution and the incessant attacks against the family and we say, I capitulate. But we come and we say we are serving the Lord Christ. And it's my prayer for you this morning that each of us would come not resisting the word of God, but resisting the word of the world. And we would resist a devil who would like nothing more than to bury us under his lies. 
rather than that you and I would live in God's truth. So may God help us come under his word this morning and may you also, with this as the message for this morning, let our homes and work be distinctly under and in service to the Lord. So if you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1, as we continue our walk through this letter. Um, I hope you are enjoying Colossians, because I know I am. I've been enjoying preaching the word to you, and my, oh my, is not Christ lifted up in this letter? I mean, from beginning until now, we're not going to see that end, uh, even as we finish this letter in a couple of weeks. And so, uh, let us exalt him as he ought to be exalted. Um, So, amen. So, as we come to this passage, though, may we put on the garments of a servant this morning and receive the words of our holy God. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, these verses come on the heels of what we saw last week. So we saw what? We saw walls broken down. Uh, you know, walls even torn down, Christian, tear down these walls, right? Every nook and cranny of our lives was set on the table, and over them all were and are increasingly ever to be written these words. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So our never do was to turn to whatever you do and do nothing was to turn to do everything. So with these verses, we are called to do just that. To do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. But obedience will not make sense to you, especially with these verses we're getting ready to walk through, if Christ is not Lord over you. In other words, the precursor to these commands is Christ is Lord over you. So we've already seen this point in this letter, even throughout this letter, with Christ having been lifted high and then we bow down low before Him. Hence Paul, he said in chapter 2, verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. 3.3 
If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Three, or three, one, then three, three. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So you have, three, ten, you have put on the new self and the new self has Christ as its Lord. Now right here, at the beginning of this sermon, it's time to come clean then, isn't it? And the question is, is he or isn't he? It may be that you're here and you're saying, well, oh, he, he is my Lord, but I have just a couple of conditions uh, before I will make him my completely my Lord. So, uh, Jesus, if you want to be my Lord over my life, my conditions for your Lordship are as follows. One, don't ask me to do anything I don't already want to do. Two, don't ask me to change because I'm fine the way I am. Thank you very much. Three, do everything I ask and I will never leave you nor forsake you. And four, never break conditions one through three. Now, as silly and as outrageous as those conditions may be, those are just the conditions that we often have. We may not admit to that, but we have that going on in our hearts. So the question is again, so is he or isn't he Lord? Are you Lord or is he? So whether now or later you will have to bow the knee and he calls you now in mercy to bow the knee to him as the merciful Savior rather than the wrathful judge. So if you are here and you do not know Christ, He is graciously calling you to join His family. It's terrible to have a terrible Lord, but He is no terror to those who know Him. And He calls you to Himself. He calls you to repent and to believe this gospel. And He calls you to repent and bow before Him as Lord. So, is He your Lord? Well, next then. Like I said, we cannot come to these next verses without this first one. First point. So, well, next then, with Christ as your Lord, slaves of Christ, may you gladly let Christ be Lord over your home. And how, how sorely we need to hear this. I mean, all around us are men and women, husbands and fathers, wives and mothers, boys and girls who are terribly confused. I mean, recently, there was a case in Dallas, and you likely have heard of it. I know I was talking to uh, someone about it recently here as well, where a seven-year-old boy was in a custody battle between his father and mother. You know, the mom uh, claims he is transgendered, while the dad says he's a boy. So when he was with his mom, he would uh, dress up like a girl and he would be called Luna. And while he was with his dad, he would be James. I mean, how confusing is that? Well, this is the world families are being challenged with. And it is in the midst of this confusion, we then 
as the body of Christ, we are to be lighthouses in the midst of this fog. We are to shine the light of Christ's kingdom while all around them and all around children and families there is confusion. You want to be a witness in our day. You want to be radical. We'll live out what we see here. Marriage between a man and a woman with children, boys and girls, with Christ at the helm. We live in a different kingdom with Christ as our king. In your home and in my home. So, now we get into the nitty gritty. With Christ as Lord then, we come to this first exhortation here for wives. And it is to this then that wives, we, uh, Paul, God is exhorting you, willingly follow the leadership of your husband. Willingly follow the leadership of your husband. Now, you know, wives, this is, this is not an issue of equality. You are not of less value than your husband in walking in this command. This is not what this is saying. I mean, that is far from Scripture. And men, this is not giving you permission by any measure for you to treat your wife like a doormat. To hit your wife or abuse your wife. That is evil. Now, I realize that this word, submit, you know, it could be rather offensive, and I know it often is, especially if you take it outside of these walls right here. I mean, you, you tell this to anybody on the street, and I guarantee you, they will not, they will not respond well. But note what it says, as is fitting in the Lord. So we come here face to face with Christ and His Lordship over your home. That's what's in question here. Here we have women of God who love their Lord and out of their love for Christ, they want to follow His Word. So, not by force, but this is a willing submission defined by your prior and more ultimate submission to Jesus. So, flowing from this this command is set before you. You know, the first two years of our marriage, Megan and I, you know, I won't lie, they were, they were difficult. Uh, you know, and I know you're probably wondering this, but yes, there was a time when a pillow was thrown. I know, that's, that's extreme. But it happened. So, we both, we wanted it our way. You know, uh, but let me tell you, you know, how, how God was at work during that, those years. He was breaking down walls in our hearts over those first years in our marriage. What changed? Well, did I finally get my way? I mean, did, did, did Megan finally get her way? Well, no and yes. We both bowed the knee. We both wanted to follow our Lord. Amen. We both submitted to our Savior. His word. And His words here. By the grace of God, we're still seeking to do that. And that's beautiful. But it's incomplete without the second exhortation. 
Husbands, sacrificially love your wife. It is quite odd that some men would take this word love here and they would turn it to mean Lord. Love does not make you her Lord. She has a Lord, and if you didn't know this already, that's not you. Instead, husbands, you have the distinct privilege and the weighty responsibility of leading your wives and families to Christ. I mean, that is that not weighty, and is that not a privilege? And so this word love it gets to the heart of what this verse is calling you to, to be men. So Ephesians it sheds light on this word. Husbands are to sacrificially love their wives as Christ loved the church and as He gave Himself up for her. But even, even without going to Ephesians, I think that we can see what a husband's love for his wife should look like in light of the virtues we even saw a few weeks ago. So husbands in particular, I have six, six questions for you to ask yourself. So to examine and examine your life, examine how you're treating your wife in seeking to love your bride. So ask yourself first, are you, a, are you compassionate toward the needs of your wife? Are you compassionate towards the needs of your wife? Second, are you kind in your disposition towards your wife? Three, are you humbly seeking her good over and above your own? Four, are you gentle with your words, deeds, and affections? All of those. Not all wives are, you know, different levels of desire for affection, but there as well. Many women long for that affection. Are you showing your bride in word, deed, and affection gentleness? Five, are you patient with her as the Lord has been patient with you? Six, are you forbearing and forgiving? Hence, not being harsh or literally bitter towards your wife. So, those are just six questions, and you know we could turn that as well and, and say, uh, wives, and how you could walk in those ways, but husbands specifically, you are called to love your bride. And so, bless your wife with your sacrificial leadership. Don't curse her. Look at it that way. How can you go out of your way to bless her, to serve her, and to encourage your wife? And if you haven't been leading, I mean, humbly admit that. You know, say, you know, I'm sorry, I've, I've not been leading you as I ought to have done. But will you allow me and, and you know, will you walk with me and gently and graciously uh, let me lead you? Let me come and let's begin opening up the Word of God and setting aside time to pray and seek God together. That's loving leadership. But Paul, he he continues, so he 
he has here, uh, now he turns to address children and parents. And so, uh, kind of a switch. So we went from husband-wife, or wife-husband, now to child-parents. So first he turns to address children here. So, children, God has called you also. I know you're out there, children. And in fact, I guess we're all children, and because <laughs> we're here. But children that are actually here under their parents in service, um, God has called you to make him Lord of your home as well. So how do you do that? Well, listen and learn from your parents. Amen. You know, God, God has put your parents over you, and outside of sin, you are to obey them, even as this passage says here in everything. You know, recently... Our son, Isaiah, he was struggling with some things. You'll remember this, Isaiah, but, you know, we were, I was talking to him, and we were discussing, you know, some of the struggles he was having, and, and really just, kind of, you know, the need to set aside the beginning of our day, you know, him specifically, as, as he gets up to prepare his heart to serve the Lord. To begin your day resolving to please the Lord by listening and learning from your parents. And, you know, children, you won't only be blessed in doing that, but you will bless your parents as well. Can I get a testimony? No, <laughs> but did, did you know that, children, that, that you can bless your parents like that? God has given you the opportunity, and, and not primarily to please them, but because you want to please the Lord of your home to bless your parents. The next exhortation here is for parents or fathers in particular. Uh, this is who it was specifically addressed to, but it would include mothers as well. So hence, fathers, mothers, patiently instruct, don't forcefully incite. So again, Ephesians, it's helpful here. Uh, Ephesians calls for fathers to bring them up, bring your children up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. So you are to lead them, fathers and mothers, to and in the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, you see there that God is calling the men specifically to lead their families in the Word of God day and night. So you are to lead your children in the Word. Lead them in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You talk about undoing confusion in this world. Well, God has called you to do that. You look at Psalm 78 that says, calls men to, to, to lead their children in the instruction of, instruction of the Lord. And what do you see besides the first five verses throughout the rest of the Psalm, which is, I believe, a hundred something verses, is you see from the rest of that time onward, the fact that the, the fathers were not doing that, Israel then fell away from God and sinned. This is, this is no small thing, fathers. Now, it also calls us to not provoke our children. And the word provoke here, it means to challenge your children. Almost like, almost like challenging them to a fight, you know. Uh, you know, submit to me. You know, if you don't, you're gonna get it, which 
I'm sure we've, we've said that before. Um, but that's the idea is you come up with, with fists raised. So contrary to how you may feel at times, you know, your children are not enemies. So be careful that you're not treating them like your enemy. You know, Galatians, uh, I often go to Galatians 6 and think of it as I, as I have to deal with my own heart at uh, times when I'm, you know, seeking to lead our children and discipline them. Um, but Galatians 6, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, which if you're having to discipline your child, they're caught in any transgression. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. And that right there, over and over again, as I, as I come to our children, and they're walking through their own struggle of sin and heart. And God calls you, mom and dad, not to join them in it, but to come alongside them and gently lead them to Christ and to the Word. But, as we think of our children and provoking them and these things, we also need to remember that God has blessed us with our children, hasn't he? And they are a blessing. So, in light of the truth that they are a blessing, find ways to bless your children. I mean, my children, you know, they love when I sit down or, you know, get on the floor with them and, and play with them, you know, and I love it too. You know, whether it's army men or ponies, uh, yeah, I play with ponies as well, with Elizabeth and, and Eden, and uh, Isaiah joins in sometimes as well. Uh, but I love spending time with our children. So in the same way, sit down with them, you know, read with them, listen to them, point them to Christ, encourage them, and then direct them toward the Word. Now, here with verse 22 to the rest of our section this morning, we kind of have make a shift a bit. So what is this what is this talking about here? Bond servants, masters. And why is it in respect to the home? Well, during Paul's day, bond servants, or literally slaves, were part of the household code. They were essentially property. Um, but let me take a moment here and address a concern uh, which is obvious, an obvious concern is the concern of slavery because this is exactly what was happening here. They were slaves. They had masters. So, I mean, how do we, how do we work this out? Well, let me give a bit of context. So slavery during Paul's day was different than our day, yet it was the same. So it wasn't based on race. You know, anyone could be a slave in the Roman Empire. Um, some may even have chose to be slaves in the empire in order to have shelter, in order to have food, in order to have clothes and be cared for, or even so they could learn certain skills. Uh, some of them uh, became efficient or became you know, knowledgeable, um, even in the ways of uh, numbers and accounting, uh, because they were uh, part of different masters' at home. Um, but most of these, they were prisoners of war. But... That being the context, don't mishear me. You know, slavery was still wrong. People were being devalued because they were treated as property. They were beaten, they were threatened, and they were sexually mistreated. 
And that's evil. And that goes against God's created order. So why? Obvious question. So why did Paul not say, do away with it? Well, Christians, they were part of the Roman society and not vice versa. So they weren't, they weren't dictating the terms of the area they lived in. Unless we forget, we still live in a broken world where every society is broken. So Paul, he has a bigger theme in mind. And he has a bigger theme in mind for them and for us. He was concerned with transformed Christ followers who would turn to transform the world and reach people in view of eternity. But in saying this, the groundwork for the end of slavery was there as well. I mean, you have a slave who is seeking to serve and please Christ above all, and you have the master being fair and just and treating their slave as God would have them treat them, and slavery will not last. But we still aren't where we should be either. We still live in a broken world. Abortion still exists. Devaluing human life. Racism still exists. Devaluing human life. Sex trafficking still exists. Devaluing human life. But we do have something that brings reconciliation across time and eternity, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is in Christ that all come united and made new in Him. It is that kingdom that will endure. And that is what Paul is setting forth, saying here is the kingdom that you are to offer to the Roman society. And God used that to change Rome. So how is this this connected to work? Well, it relates by way of degrees. So the slave, they worked under the master, and the master was over the slave. Hence, we, we apply this to our immediate context that we have now in light of the extended application. So coming back then to Christ's lordship, we see and say, along with our homes, Christ is to be lord over your work. And first here, laborers, we are exhorted to labor for the Lord. So your aim at work and for the sake of work, or you aren't to aim at work for the sake of work, but to work for the sake of Christ. You are serving the Lord Christ. So it's not about the job you have, but it's about the Lord you serve. Even the inheritance that you will receive. Even if you are being wronged in your workplace, even if in this scenario you are a slave, Paul is saying you have a kingdom that goes beyond the mistreatment, beyond the wrongdoing, beyond your job, and it's a kingdom that will endure into all eternity. So God, He is using where you are in every way. He's using every inch of it. And don't forget that. If you belong to Christ, He has called you to serve Him where you are. That's God's will for you. Wash pots and pans for the glory of God. You know, I, I worked nine years doing automotive work. 
Now, four of those nine years, I spent longing to be in ministry. I was ready to get out there. But God wanted me to stay there. And he had me there, and he wanted me to serve him. He wanted me to share Christ. He wanted me to love my family. And maybe that's where you are. You know, God is calling you to serve him where you are and keep serving him. Not to please men, not for the accolades, but because you are a servant of Christ where you are. But maybe you're here and you're not a laborer, but you're a leader. You're a business owner, a manager, or a supervisor. Well, leaders, lead before the Lord. Lead before the Lord. Your, your management, your supervising or leadership should be marinated with the aroma of Christ. You know, seven of the nine years I worked in automotive work, I was a manager. You know, there were times, you know, I, very honestly, I had to go and ask my coworkers for forgiveness. For, you know, being unreasonable, for not being gentle. And as followers of Christ, Leaders, managers, you need to do that too. That is just and fair. That is testifying to your service to a greater master who calls you to be at peace with everyone as far as it depends on you. So be a gracious leader under your gracious Savior. And as we look at all these commands here, Let's resolve to do them. Let's resolve to do them remembering who you are serving. Jesus is Lord. So let Him be Lord without reservation. Wives, husbands, children, parents, laborers, leaders, you are serving Christ. You want to upend our culture You want to see lives change for the sake of the gospel? Live in light of the gospel you have received. Live in obedience to the Lord because He is your Lord. And so let your response this morning as you are challenged to live in ways that are very contrary to the way that our world is. Let your response be, Yes, Lord. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, I pray that your response would be, yes, be my Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and thank you for these these words here as we continue to see the centrality of Christ. He is to be the center of every part of our lives, in our relationships with one another, in our homes, the roles that you have called uh, husbands and wives to walk in, children as they're called to to, uh, come under your word and, and to listen and learn from their parents, laborers and leaders, that they would live with you as their Lord. And that would cover every one of us. And so we pray, Father, for your grace as we walk through each of these commands that we would come 
with our knees bowed and saying, yes, Lord, we want to do what your word calls us to do. Help us, Father. I pray that this morning that we would respond to your word by resolving even now that uh, whether husband, wife, child, uh, work, worker, uh, leader, that we would resolve to do it. And if there is any here, I pray that who do not know Christ, you may help them even now to turn to you by faith. And so, Father, we, we pray for your hand and your grace that we would live out your word as you are Lord over us. In Jesus' name, amen.